Guys, welcome to this bonus episode of Pop Kitchen. Today. George, you also rewatched Nolan's Dunkirk. Yeah, so changing changing hats a second here. Want to just talk about <laughs> Dunkirk, which yeah. I realise is a film that came out six years ago. We've had two mm-hmm. Nolan films since, yeah. and I am aware that Dunkirk is a film that is talked about a lot. Yeah, and everything that's been said about it has kind of been said. You know, you sure. Go, you go on Instagram, you'll see a clip of it, a photo of it, or some film account celebrating it. Okay, and I realise people might not have seen it in a while. The reason I bring it up is I had that brilliant experience where I turned on the TV to watch something else. Ah, oh, yeah. And literally, the, the TV turned on and it was the opening scene of Dunkirk, literally where he's got the flyer in his hand. You know, oh, great. Yeah, you're it. basically 20 seconds And in. I went, oh, Dunkirk. Yeah, Anna and I had sat down to watch Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Dunkirk, should we? And we could not Stop. turn it off. Yeah. So I, I've seen Dunkirk twice before, both at the IMAX in 2017. Haven't seen yeah. it since. And whenever whenever someone has said, oh, let's watch it, I've always gone, on a small screen? <laughs> Are you yeah. mad? Yeah. However, I'm really glad I did. Obviously, it's going to be different to the IMAX. But yeah. um, I thought, it, I, obviously, shocker, it was really great. And I know that Dunkirk is uh, rated by a lot of people. And um, it's just a random bug. Oh, just, just, God, yeah, it's a horrible bug. Um <laughs> Uh, anyway. huma- humanely discarded from the table there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyway, um, um, and Dunkirk is. I, I, some people, I know a lot of people race it's very not well. Universally I, loved. It's not. It's not universally loved. My parents, whenever I bring it up, always start mocking the Mark Rylance on a boat thing. They were like, "Oh no, Mark Rylance on the boat! We're going to war, George. Leave it be, George." But I think I. I don't know whether I was just in the right frame of mind for it, or I've always Kitty liked Murphy it. Murphy practicing his thousand yard stare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go I'm back. Like, oh, I won't go back. Yeah. Um, I. I have to say, I, I've always liked Dunkirk, mm. and I've always thought about it as probably one of nolan's strongest yeah and when i watched it this time i was like yeah i think this is i think it's i thought it's fantastic yeah i i so much stuff that we've talked about there is a point that i realized i would like to talk about but just the general stuff is that it plays like a silent movie there is very minimal dialogue mm-hmm. um particularly in the opening 20 20 minutes i mean ostensibly you're following uh Fionn whitehead's character but he really has very little to say the dialogue is very sparse it's very purposeful they don't it's want to make all, it a- hero of that but you could watch that and have no dialogue and it's it's all told through images and and uh, and striking images and sound and vision um cinema yeah exactly (laughs) no i know but no but that's it when we talk about pure cinema that's it it doesn't it's not all about dialogue and and that's the point i want to get to uh really which is that this is that when i when we reviewed oppenheimer Mm. my i said one of my the the thing that kind of held me back is that as much as i really recognize there are some great things in oppenheimer don't get me wrong and i don't dislike that film at all i'm I'm really looking forward to rewatching it all nolan films get better with watching it so i'm 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 open to the fact that it will improve my my dunkirk experience the same saw in cinema really liked it saw it again loved it yeah had a similar experience watching it on tv at home and i was like oh i actually think this is one of the best films but it's that my issue with oppenheimer i said was that you know, every bit of real estate in that film was given for people's dialogue, dumping information on you about the bomb and about the thing. It was full of data. That's what I called it. It was full of information, people firing tidbits at you. And and I found over the course of three hours that kind of just washed me out and kind of... Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer yeah. I'm talking about here. And when I was watching Dunkirk, I was like, this is why I think this is one of Nolan's best because he's doing the opposite here. He's keeping the dialogue to a minimum. And what he's relying on is image and emotion to tell you the story and to get you hooked in. And hoping and I was, that you fill in the blanks of the whole time thing that's going well, on. That's, well, that's, yeah, exactly. But I found myself so much more engaged and so much more emotionally engaged in particular in what was happening because he was using 
just imagery and and sound and and basically pure cinema. And so when it gets to the end, I I really found it quite emotional, emotional totally. and, and stirring and and beautiful because he's letting you. You, you know, letting the images speak for themselves. That's the thing. That's what I like. He lets Dunkirk speak for itself. He lets the harrowing uh, nature of Dunkirk speak for itself. There are, I, I've always, I've t- talked before about, there are some images in it that I find really like beautifully bleak, which is like the soldier just walking into the water. Yeah, really dark. When the bodies come back, when he says, how can you tell the tide's coming back? He's like, that's when the bodies come back. But also there are moments that are really harrowing and dark, which is when like, there's two scenes where ships are bombed and turned. And it's where soldiers can't swim out in time before the ship crushes them underneath mm. the water and you lose the light. And it's the screams and it's the, the screams of the soldiers who can't swim out of the way while the boat gets pushed up against the harbour. And yeah, you, you're wincing now and absolutely right. It's horrible. It's mm. terrifying. And I'm like, that, Nolan, is brilliant. That like you're understanding like sound and you're telling me the story in ways other than people speaking information to me mm. and i understand that oppenheimer is a very different story it's a very different type of film but that's why when i see a film like dunkirk that's why i think it's his, his best because he's almost dialed down that that part, one part of his brain and he's dialed up the cinematic part of it and this and, and i just got to enjoy the soaring spitfires of tom hardy's tom hardy has it has only his eyes in that film it's bane again he can't, he can't no he can't even move he's sat yeah. he's sat he does a little bit thing. of and, and, it, and it's like this Fortress leader and he's speaking right. like that so he's got to do I'm the whole him. film he carries a third of that movie yeah. all through his eyes and I and get then his so eyes much in that final bit when he's just gliding yeah when he realised so, so when I saw it for the third time I had this realisation like again like towards the end I was like the fact this is such a you know millennial thing to say but the fact that men used to fight in planes yeah. firing <laughs> bullets yeah. over the sea and if they got hit, they would crash and burn in an yeah. oily fuck. Like, that is just nuts. And that because the film doesn't make a spectacle of everything else and it never tries to make heroes of very ordinary yeah. men, it makes it elevates that whole, all of the Spitfire sequences, which are so cool and so yeah. well done. It's just, like, unbelievable there's, events. Yeah, you it, can't believe that that happened. There's a crudeness to all of it. The, when Tom Hardy is flying in a Spitfire and he's trying to line up the yeah. plane in oh. the target it's quite crude he's the, pushing the, the button and the, the, the score's like Wah! yeah and also when he's trying to like yeah. literally to land the plane at the end when he's so gliding good. he has to pump the wheels the, the lining up of the crude. three the three timelines at that midpoint yeah. when it's the bomber coming through and yeah. like the, the he's bomb, coming back bomb, around bomb, yes okay. and, and obviously that music has been and my favourite thing has always been the, the diving of the Stuka bombers when it comes to, with the Luftwaffe when they come oh, into the yeah, and yeah. it's like that horrible screeching scream and it's like mm. yeah it's like a primal reaction to it that's he's that's my point nolan is telling that film through sound and yeah. vision pure cinema so i think there are so many shots in that film that really get burned in your head the first is the uh the pier of like a thousand the mold, troops, yeah. like all just yeah, yeah, like yeah. freaking out when you hear that and then like the moment where phil whitehead like covers his ears praying yeah. that he doesn't get bombed and he only misses death by a few meters from a happenstance yeah bodies flying up i also All of it just brilliant when i first the first couple of times i watched it i found that the the stuff on the boat i thought was a bit like limp but i actually think it's 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 there to hold a good point and about the, the relationship about the, with the home the, the home crowd and and about you know death and i i just i just i don't know i don't know why i i, I understood the sort of emotional dynamic that nolan was going for in that and also like the whole subplot with anir and bernard playing the spoiler like the french soldier yeah. who's silent for the whole thing 
I always saw that ended quite abruptly because he ends up drowning in the boat. Yeah. But I actually understood what was happening there, which is like, again, it's like the brutal, cold crudeness of war, which is that, first of all, I, I, I've forgotten that Harry Styles actually does try and save him. Harry Styles initially says, you know, you're a frog. We're going to fucking yeah, kill yeah. you, throw you out. Which is one of the weak, not because of Harry Styles, I think like the, there's a lot of dialogue in that. Well, that's one of the dialogue yeah, heavy that's scenes. That's my point. I understood the dynamic, yeah. but you were But it's like, you've got to get up. But then the, they actually end up, the ship ends up floating and they've got to block the holes yeah. and then the boat starts to sink. But and Harry Styles is, is the penultimate person in the boat. Him, it's him and then Anira yeah. Bernard. And he starts to swim, but then Harry Styles' character does look back at the French guy, looks at the exit, looks back again, and does actually call to him and say, we're leaving, we've yeah. got, we got to go. Yeah. But it's too late. And, I, and I, even though it's horrible that he drowns, it's like the cold reality of the fact is like, he drowns because unfortunately, because he was French, he didn't hear everyone else leave. He didn't hear everyone else saying abandon ship. Mm. He didn't know what it meant. So it's just this crude reality that even though yeah, Harry Styles tries to save him at the end, it's too late for him. Um, the death of Barry Keown's character is also similar in, in that, that sense of the, to the French guy dying, where it's like, yeah. even that the death is in a lot of ways unremarkable, it represents this whole idea of like war, mm. there's a happenstance to death, there's nothing special yeah. or romantic about it. And they People lie die. to Killian Murphy about yeah, what, yeah. what it is, and he disappears at the end like a ghost. Yeah. The whole, yeah, the whole, when they play, I think it's... It's Nimrod they play, I think, at the end when they play. Oh, yeah. Or, the, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, is, is it, it Nimrod? It is Nimrod, I think they play. Yeah. And it's the... That's the music the they shot. play on Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah, it's the shot of Tom Hardy watching his Spitfire burn. It's the shot... It's 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 Fionn Whitehead reading the newspaper. It's Harry Styles beside himself on the train. And it's just really, really brilliant and really stirring and not, not jingoistic, not, um, you know... Uh, chest beating the British or anything like that. It's just a really interesting uh, historical film, and, I, and, and a wonderful I, retelling of a moment in the war. Well, exactly, the turn when I, of the war. When I first saw it, I was like, "It's a shame." This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all that he able, Nolan was able to bring in such a large crowd for this, but didn't include a postscript about the number of people. But actually, I think he gets all the information he needs in the film. Yeah. It speaks, like I said, the film speaks for itself. What were you going to say? No. The, the film speaks for itself. One thing I, I, I always noticed, though, is that the reason Dunkirk is such, a, is such a British story is that it's about basically one man's attempts to skip a queue. <laughs> <laughs> the whole film is Beyond Whitehead trying to, <laughs> trying to get to the front of a queue. And as a British audience, you're like, no, 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 no. We'll come and yeah. pick you up. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Back of the line, don't, mate. Don't skip the queue. I'll come and get you. you um, and also... Uh, the film begins and he unbuckles his trousers and he attempts to, be, he tries to go and, you know, mm. 
avail himself, relieve himself. <laughs> but quickly, <laughs> the machine gun's fine. He buckles himself back up and he runs through the fence, all that stuff. And then he gets to the beach and he unbuckles his trousers, goes to take a dump, and oh, he has to quickly do himself back up because Aniran Bernard's there. And I'm thinking, you still haven't gone. You still haven't gone. <laughs> and we never see him go for the no. rest of the film. And I'm like, you see, maybe the train had one. And it says the week. It says a week. He's at the mall. He's he's holding it in <laughs> for a week. I mean, admittedly, if you were trying to get off Dunkirk yeah. Beach, I think you'd probably you either probably would have shat yourself already, yeah, or you wouldn't be able to get anything out. But I was just like, <laughs> this is the longest a cinematic character I'm aware of he has held it to in. Get off the beach. Give that man some brown flags because <laughs> yeah. he's got to you know evacuate. Another beautiful evacuate shot. in two <laughs> senses of the word. Another beautiful shot. Sorry, that final when Tom Hardy's standing next to the burning Spitfire yeah. and he just gets captured. Yeah, you see the soldiers just coming over just the brow. That, that other great shot. Another thing is quite there's this you know the enemy a bit like Top Gun, a faceless. Even though we, we know they're yes, Nazi, yeah. they are. It's not about the enemy. It's not no. even. It's the threat was always known as there. Also, we know we know the enemy. Who the yeah. enemy is? Um, there you go, guys. It's just yeah. Some, I mean, that, with, it's one very of those, late takes, but, it, but it's one of those brilliant things. I love it when you catch a film. And yeah. a film catches you off guard. We've lost that. Just that. Th- it, it, it felt like a, a, what was a, a it retro on? thing. Sky? To, it was on BBC. Oh. So I, I turned on British. Yeah, <laughs> of course on, it was. <laughs> I turned on my uh, yeah, but I turned on my Skybox as at home home. Yeah, uh, to, to watch you know, Disney Plus. Fucking all these names are coming out. But I then must it say, was just there. fantastic knitwear on Mark Rylance and one of his sons. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Uh, Tom Glen Carney. Yeah, with really a great, great blonde haircut that as well. Thick wool. Like, you know, yeah. even though that that coastal wind yeah. is coming, that, that, that knitwear is just fine. Yeah, you pay a lot of money for that. Some good now. haircuts on some of the, the men as well, like yeah. sharp. Even though they were, you know, on Dunkirk. You know, they're a bit wrong. I tell you what, even <laughs> though it fills me with dread when they go downstairs into the hull of the beach and they're, they're, they've got the jam toast and the Ooh, cups of tea. I wanted a bit of that. I, I was like, I murder, murder a cup of tea at that j- moment. The j- oh yeah, the, the, the ceramic mug yeah. and the jam was like not thin. They Enamel really lapped yeah. it. Really lapped it on. Yeah. You just fold that white bread in yeah. half. Yes, and they just you know they give you the mug of tea and it's spilling over. <laughs> oh, I was like, I would have murdered you know it. That's However, the best cup of tea I would have quickly had. found myself to the nearest door and made sure that I was able to leave the ship. <laughs> Let me just. I'm gonna know because that's also terrifying. It's basically a shot of a of one of the nurses like handing these soldiers some toast and then it's just like a jet of water just washes her away terrible anyway that was Dunkirk I, I think it's it's not my favourite Nolan film will always be, always be The Prestige because it's like one of my favourites but I, if someone said objectively what do I think is his best film I think yeah. Dunkirk is probably it actually yes me too um, and I love the match cut of the helmets on the beach with the hats and the prestige you can mm. literally hold those frame by frame side by side that was Dunkirk um, it's been out for a while but those are our thoughts go watch it there we go Okay, guys, we're still on the bonus. In the last two weeks, I was away, and were you away? I was no. away. And in that time, I was. There, you were away. <laughs> there was a double bill at the BFI IMAX of Ridley Scott's Alien and James Cameron's sequel, Aliens. We both desperately wanted to see it, but couldn't. Talia comes to me the other day, who's now on the show. Say hi, Talia. Hi, everyone. And she goes, would you, do you, like, do you want to go and see Alien and Aliens, double bill? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to, but obviously I was away. Talia, you did go and see it. You have also never seen an alien film before. Were you how aware of were how aware of Alien were you going into that? Um, I knew that it burst out of the body. Ah, that's a shame. Famous, yeah. And I knew that it was sort of that little thing. I had no idea about the big alien. Oh, oh. so you just thought it was like the face hugger yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what intriguing. Yeah. First of all, welcome to the show, Talia. Nice to have you on. Debut. Uh, in, 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 debuting. If this goes well, maybe we can get, you know, switch around with James. Often reference. Often reference. Uh, uh, my first question is, um, how did you obviously find Alien, the first one? Okay, Alien. It was slower than the second one. Mm. There was a moment where I kind of thought, 
what have I gotten myself into? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I did enjoy it, I think. I think what I struggled with is, um, what's her name? Ripley. Ripley, yeah. Ripley, yes. <laughs> so Sigourney Weaver. She's not really the main character right up front. That's it's more right. of an ensemble cast. Mm, correct. And I was struggling to know who I was rooting for. Um, I didn't quite realize that Ripley was the main character. I guess she wasn't. It was more of an ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. um, and it was only when she started kind of questioning power, speaking truth to power. I guess her first real moment is when she tries to enforce the quarantine and not let them back onto the ship and as she became more of a main character i enjoyed it more so obviously in the second film where it was a real hero's journey from the get-go with her i enjoyed that a lot more um i think that's absolutely right i think they do that to suspend uh a bit, a bit of tension i think at the beginning to be like who's going to get picked off first if, you, if yeah. everyone's on equal footing because you tom scarrett the captain gets killed off quite early yeah. and that's typically in another film he would have been the yeah. hero um obviously like we haven't even introduced this but like everyone you should know alien and aliens yeah, alien by and aliens i assume yeah, yeah. yeah. and spoilers um uh and what did you think so when you said you didn't know about the big alien yeah didn't, didn't know about know. the big alien so, so i was really coming in so, so i think it's overbuilt as a horror film and i was actually very mm. worried about going you were away that weekend i was like am i gonna go watch horror films till 1am come home and not sleep talia, talia was like will will i like it and i was like you and I was like, they're great films. You will like it, but you're in for five and a half hours of like very, especially in the beginning, very slow, yeah. plodding late 1970s horror. But like, you, there's so much yeah. to admire it, despite that. But like, yeah. considering you're not an alien fan, it's a long time to be in the cinema. But like, I'm sure you'll be fine. But I, I, it wasn't horror. No, it's horror like inflected. Yeah, yeah it's horror inflected. But I think I, because I was expecting it to be horror, I had a lot of the wrong. I was anticipating a lot of the wrong things to happen. So in a lot of a way that modern horror will kind of like leave you with a really icky feeling. I was waiting for that. So the whole time, the last sequence of Alien, when she's saving the cat, I was on the edge of my seat thinking, the alien is in the cat. You're going to bring it onto your <laughs> tiny spaceship <laughs> and then it's going to burst out of the yeah. cat. But I was completely wrong about that. And all the tension I'd be feeling was misplaced because the alien was just in the ship for another reason. Did you find the design of the alien like, like odd, like fascinating at all? Or was it so, a little bit dated for and, you? And like, we, we, we look back on that film, if I may speak to both of us like masterpiece of special effects yeah. like iconic design the art of uh hr hr geiger yeah. which is like this fusing of love like piping and mechanics and shit slightly sexualized with, like, weirdly well, yeah. sexualized torture Organist, pornographic organ, organ. Thing, yeah. and it's like a deeply unsettling deeply unnerving fusion of like technology and biology so that's where like it's, it's became mm. become iconic i didn't i mean it didn't it, it more stuck with me when it wasn't in the picture and like oh, yeah. the idea of the alien and then some of the jump scares got me like a lift door closing yeah. or door slamming and the alien just puts yeah. its hand through but i it didn't find it that creepy what about in the end of alien when it's like in the alien is like submerged in the piping mm. and you think you're safe and it like crawls out yeah. and it's that mesh of like the pipes and the alien that really works that gets i think because i am the kind of person who's more scared by kind of organic body horror stuff if it had come out of the cat to me that would be very mm. scary but kind of the hidden in the piping hidden in the walls thing didn't really get me i have a friend who for him the scariest shot in that film is when veronica cartwright the other woman she can't move because she's so scared at the end 
and like he finds that the sketch because you don't see the alien approach her is that right you just see her reaction in that yeah. moment isn't it like she's like they're so close to getting off the ship isn't it and then like she's just completely terrified you know what got me as a haunting image if i think back and i'm like what haunts me it's in aliens so the second we'll, film we'll get to. um the way that they take people and have them sort of oh, meshed in goo into yeah. the wall waiting to implant an alien egg in them that that is the only haunting image that stays okay. with me so with aliens which i i, I like alien but aliens i really have like a soft spot i really love and i think it's probably in like my favorite films i can watch that film at any time right now especially if i'm sick i like aliens or return of the jedi i'll put that on my question first of all just so i have this clear because i think we might have spoken about this on the show before is the version of aliens you saw did it have a scene where she's shown a photograph of her daughter They're both theatrical cuts they're both theatrical cuts. Yeah. So was there a moment? No, that, no doubt. Okay, and was there a scene with the turret guns outside of the I war? I checked this, it's theatrical. Okay. What is yeah. a turret gun? So, <laughs> okay, so just on edit. So the, I, I'm not to jump in on what you thought about Aliens because I, I do want to know, but my thing is that if anyone's going to watch Aliens now, make sure you're watching the Direct. director's cut okay. because there are two great things. The first one is that there's a really great action sequence where they've sealed themselves into like the med lab, I think it is. And what they do is they set up to artillery guns sensor sensor guns outside the walls right and you have this great sequence where the aliens approach the the, the thing and you just hear the guns firing at all these aliens and they what they're just watching the ammunition count go down and down mm. and down and trying to count it off and it's this idea of like that it's not going to be enough and eventually what happens is the ammo count gets to like four bullets left and then the aliens yeah. retreat and it's like huh, they're really smart. But then, of course, they come back in a different way. And that's really great. And the other thing, for me, the whole emotional journey of that film is about Ripley's relationship with her daughter because there's a bit, which is cut, which you didn't see, where she's, in the beginning when they've, they've rescued her, she's sat in like this like fake park bench and Burke, the really slimy guy, comes in and he's like, I know you were interested to know about your daughter, but like, um, I think you don't know how long you were away for. You were away for like 70 years this is a picture of your daughter. She's like an old woman. And it's like, your daughter died. Mm, very interstellar. Yeah, very interstellar. And and therefore, that, so we as an audience learn that in the, in the director's cut, that mm-hmm. her daughter's dying, daughter's this old woman. So then her whole relationship with Newt going forward, I'm like, well, that's clearly yeah. a maternal, absent like relationship thing. But that's cut from the theatrical one. But anyway, maybe, maybe you still got... This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline that i don't know but aliens what did you think of that well okay that makes so much sense because you start aliens and bear in mind i did literally start it 15 minutes after alien for the first time just right after so you know she's gone into cryogenic sleep and she wakes up and it's been 57 70 years whatever um and i did find it a gap in the film i was like 
she's not upset that everyone she loves and knows is dead yeah. as well as the crew on her ship um and then one of the i mean the main reason she goes to rehunt this alien is she's traumatized and she's having all these nightmares yeah. but one of the things the really slimy corporate guy says to her is you know you can't even get a job as a pilot these days i'll get you a job if you come on this mission and it's like really she's been away for 70 years and she's worried about the level of promotion she has like what about everyone she's ever known <laughs> um so yeah, yeah that did feel like a but I loved, I really liked Aliens. Um, I think uh, for, for me, in, I was in safer hands in James Cameron's hands. Mm. Like just the more dialogue heavy, the more character heavy, the more drama. I felt that there was a lot more for me to hook onto mm. and there weren't so many silent creeping scenes, which what, I struggle with a bit more. What about that scene where they fall asleep, her and Newt fall asleep <sighs> and, they, and they wake up and they've got the empty tub and Burke's put the face hugger in the... Yeah. That's a great sequence, right? Really good, really good. I think to have aliens, literally plural, you have to make the alien more defeatable yeah. because in alien you've just got one alien yeah. and that's enough to charge a whole film and it's this crazy undefeatable monster but if you're gonna have mon multiple you need yeah. a way to kill them so they can get rid of that one they can kill them with kind of firepower but then as yeah. you say sometimes they run out so that was a bit of a difference for me and then the epic scene at the end where she literally gets into yeah. the crane type gear yeah. and fights the alien one-on-one is really cool get away from her you <laughs> big bitch it's interesting because we can talk about like the strengths and weaknesses of each one and i think uh, I think if I'm fair to say, a lot of people long for the slower, more reserved style of Ridley Scott's Alien, but the sequels that we've got are trying to recreate what James Cameron captured in Aliens, and I think unsuccessfully. Because yeah. I think if you ask most people what kind of Alien film they want, they want a 79 Alien, not a, a what year was James Cameron's Aliens? 86. They don't want an 86 Aliens but copy. But I also think people misremember 86. The is, yeah. people think it's all they think it's all the second and third act with the plasma rifles and yeah. the pots of the pulse rifles and the flamethrowers and stuff but at least with the I know the theatrical cut is basically the same but the director's cut I remember pausing it when I watched it last time you don't see an alien mm. until over one hour into the movie yeah you maybe see one face hugger at the beginning, but like that's it. And I think in the theatrical cut, it's like forty-seven minutes in. But that is still. If that was made now, you'd have a you'd have a xenomorph in the first scene. Yeah, maybe so. right there. And there's no suspense. So even though we think of the aliens being faster, it's. Mm. Um, I do still love Alien for its. Um, it's like the, the way that first scene where you see them, the wide, they've all woken up and they're having breakfast. Mm. And I thought the dialogue style felt really natural. I love this idea of just like a bunch of, not mercenaries, but like paid guys for hire out in mm. the cold depths of space, answering a distress call, dirt under the fingernails, grunge in the corner, frost on the glass. Yeah. That, that sense mm. of like, we're out here in the middle of nowhere yeah. in a very sort of industrial, space grungy, truckers. space truckers. I always think no one's ever really captured that, like not 79 Alien. Can I ask? You know, I want to know about this vicariously. As someone who saw it on, a, what was it like just seeing it? Yeah. in the IMAX on a big screen, I can like because I can hear the the sound of the pulse rifles <laughs> now. In my you know, that sort of when you see those eggs like fold open. Yeah, yeah what that was, was that good. like in in the IMAX? I mean, I've never seen it another way. It, it was really good in IMAX. I think I was so kind of drawn into the story and also waiting for jump scares that mm, I didn't always kind no, of no, no. look at the whole vista of it. But sometimes I did step back, and it was really cool to have it really big. It was good to be in a room with loads of people. It got to I don't know what time the first one ended, but it was late at night. And we had a 15 minute break and you're all in the lobby of the movie theater. It kind of feels like a special occasion. And I bumped into someone from my office. <laughs> I was like, are we both just super fans? <laughs> uh, so that was really fun. Um, it had a kind of, it had a good vibe. And you know, in the BFI, they do a little speech beforehand. Yeah, so yeah. they did a little speech and said, has anyone here their first time seeing Alien? And I went, woo! 
Um, and barely anyone did. All, the, all these nerds turned around and yeah. they're the strawberry. And then they put yeah, a yeah. spotlight on me. But what? actually, it went on the person next to me by accident. So it was my friend <laughs> oh who had seen God. it. Um, and so, yeah, I was a bit under the microscope for having not seen it before. And I was with my friend who'd seen it, all his friends who loved it, his parents who loved it. Oh my God. So, you know, huge contingent. I'm so, I'm <laughs> hearing you talk about it, I'm gutted. Wish, I, again, like, we've had the question so many times. What are films that you, I think someone's written this question. What films did you think you missed out on that came out before you were born, or before you were able to go see in cinema that you would love to see in cinema? And like, that is totally... Yeah. Something you'd love to do. But you know, now you've got to go three, Alien versus Predator, no, Alien versus Predator no, no. 2, I would say Prometheus. I, no. You don't do any of that. I'd say Alien 3 maybe is, is, is. If you're curious. Curious, and curious enough is kind of interesting. Does but it it's, still have Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but I don't think you need to go any further than that. I mean, yeah. those two, I mean, I think Aliens maybe one of the best sequels of all time. I guess people would say Ooh. Godfather Part 2, Toy yeah. Story 2, and Before Sunset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, We've answered this before. Yeah. Um, but it's up there. Yeah, it is. It it's, really up there. is. it's also a very, it's a, it's a sign of a successful sequel of someone who comes in, different director, different vision. Blade takes Blade, it into Blade like a very action. action. Yeah. Uh, direction for the, for the series. I feel like I knew her better after the second film, and yeah. it was cool to see her offset against all those space marines. Yeah. Like, no, she is a really resourceful person. I love the dynamic. Like, I think I've said this before. Like, by the end of the film, you get this weird family unit where it's like you've got the pseudo father with mm. Hicks, yeah. the pseudo daughter, and I think Bishop's like the dog. You know, <laughs> you know like ripped his legs off. And he's Aww. like, he's not human, but he yeah. is human. And uh, um, I quite like this. I like the fact that you've been like a reporter in, in, the, in, the, field. Yeah, in the field. You've come in to like talk to us live here in the studio reporting from the bfi so continue to get your pen and paper and report back from screenings we can't go to we can't see it all so thank you talia see what other cult favorites i get invited to uh, yeah well we got to fit you i'm sure you've got quite a few blind spots right yeah without well. sounding <laughs> without being like one of those podcasts that's like oh my god you haven't seen that you've yeah. got to see this no no i probably do what probably film do. do you think james and i should go and see james needs to see brooklyn it's really good oh, yeah, yeah was, i always want you to see that yeah, <laughs> I have a, a, a parallel. Do you know what? After past lives, I think it will pale in comparison. Yeah, we just did spoiler thoughts for past lives. You need lives. to do uh, past okay. lives. Like, I, I will rewatch. Yeah, have yeah. you? I rewatched Ten Things I Hate About You. Really recently. good. Oh yeah, really I good. couldn't believe how funny and great and sharp that was. That's yeah. really good. When did you rewatch that? About three weeks ago. Oh, because, is that because you Nora saw What's the Face in Oppenheimer? Uh, a little bit, David <laughs> yeah. Crumholtz. It was yeah, in my yeah, mind yeah. a little bit, but um, uh, Julia Stars in that is fantastic. She was yeah. like eighteen in it. I couldn't really? believe it. Wow, that's yeah. I like when they make her wear the pregnancy belly. Oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Well, right. that is Talia. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank on you for making your Thanks debut. So much for having uh, me. My girlfriend is screaming <laughs> with anger. <laughs> I have not been invited to see her face when this comes out. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Anna next. <laughs> she's next. <laughs> she's gonna be like, get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining us Tyler. this has been a bonus episode of Pop Kitchen Podcast um, continue to tune in and do, the outro. Oh, do you want to do an outro do you want to say something Talia thanks everyone <laughs> what days do episodes come out Th- Thursdays oh my god Wednesdays. get out Wednesdays get no, out, get out. such a nice time uh, <laughs> yes as you know main episodes come out every single Wednesday this has been a bonus episode continue writing your thoughts into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com we will see you next week Good tally, that was excellent by the way. You clearly rehearsed. Yeah, yeah you did really well. I tried, I tried. Never seen it anymore. Yeah. Ridley Scott's like, how'd it go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>